Open it up again to Philippians chapter 3. Because of the nature of the subject, the topic that we are addressing here, we are spending an extra amount of time in the verses that we find here in Philippians chapter 3, especially beginning in verse 7 here where the Apostle Paul says, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Brother, if there is ever a subject we all needed to be familiar with, we all need to have a clear understanding about, it would be the subject that Paul is addressing here in these verses, and that is the subject of salvation, the subject of conversion, how it is that one is justified in the sight of God. And thankfully, God makes it very clear for us here in these verses that we just read. In verses 7 and 8, He helps us to understand how it is that a person gets saved, what it is that happens to the person when they come to know Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord. And in verse 9, as we'll look at more carefully, most likely next time together, he helps us to clarify and understand that a person is justified by faith alone in Christ alone. If you recall, if you were with us last week, Last Sunday morning, we were considering from these verses this topic of salvation, this topic of conversion, that what we're really getting to look at here in these verses is we're getting an inside look, a rare jewel in the testimony and the conversion of the Apostle Paul on that road to Damascus. That we needed to see, we need to understand that you're not going to experience what Paul experienced on the outside, but for someone to be truly converted, they're going to experience what Paul experienced on the inside. The Spirit of God is allowing us to see what happened to him on that day. And what we discovered as we were just approaching it and looking back at the life of Paul, and we went back and read through Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 22 and over in Acts chapter 26, and we saw there and over in Galatians chapter 1 and in 1 Timothy chapter 1 where the Apostle Paul made reference to his life before he was a Christian. And when you look at his life before he was a Christian, and you even look at his life on that very morning, on that very day when he was saved, what we discovered, when we compared that to what we read here in verses 7, 8, and 9, we discovered that salvation is available to anyone, to everyone, because salvation and grace, the grace of God necessary for someone to be saved is there and it is not beyond the reach of God. No one is beyond the saving grace of God. But we also saw when we looked at Paul's life that the only thing that could explain Paul's life and explain Paul's conversion, explain Paul's salvation was the sovereign grace of God invading his life. So today as we come back to these verses... 
what I want us to see is that when a person is converted, when that grace of God has invaded their life, understand something, beloved, their life will be changed. And it won't be a temporary change. It will be a long-lasting, permanent change that will happen to them on the inside. There's a serious mistake that has been promoted, that has been fostered in the evangelical church for far too long. You go and ask someone about their salvation to share their testimony, about their conversion. What we tend to hear is all the things that they did, they did on the outside, whether it is walking the aisle or praying or prayer or going through the ABCs of acknowledging, believing, and confessing being declared converted by the pastor, being declared converted by the church. But I want you to understand, when you read through what Paul is saying here, it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite of what you see here for Paul. He says nothing of those things on the outside. He's sharing about what happened to him on the inside. What took place on the inside, in his heart, in where he is. Yes, it is true, beloved, that what goes on on the inside will manifest itself on the outside. But, beloved, people can go through the rituals that we establish without being truly converted. But they can't have true conversion unless they have here what Paul says that he had. If you have what Paul has on the inside, beloved, if you have the change happen to you that happened to Paul, then this is how we know that we have been truly converted. Because please remember what the Bible says about salvation, what it says about conversion. It says that the person who's been truly converted is a new creation. They're a new creation in Christ. It says they've gone from death to life. That is, from spiritual death to spiritual life. It says that their heart has been circumcised by the Spirit of God. So therefore, something clearly radical has happened. Something transformative in their life, in their heart, on the inside, has taken place. So much so that their life now has changed and it will be changing forevermore until they are fully formed into the image of Christ. So as you read through this testimony of Paul, we're going to be looking back again this morning. I want you to see that there were two radical changes that took place in his life. And these are changes that happen for everyone and anyone who's truly converted. First, this is what we're going to primarily look at today, his views were changed. His perspective, his thinking was changed. And then next time we're together, we're going to notice not just that his views were changed, but that his values were changed. What he valued in life, what he valued about salvation, all those things changed whenever he surrendered and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. To be saved, to be converted, one's Views must change. And when I say someone's views, 
Go back to our text, beginning in verse 7, and I want you to notice a word that Paul uses on more than one occasion in these two verses, in verses 7 and 8. Notice this, wherever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. It's that idea there of counting that helps us to see and understand what Paul means there about his views, that his views changed. When he was converted on that road to Damascus, his views changed. To say that he was counting there, it means that, that means he came to a sound judgment. He had weighed out the matters and the facts at hand and he came to a settled conviction in his heart. He considered things differently. He was looking at things differently than he was just the moment before when he was walking down that road to go to Damascus where he could round up more Christians and put them in jail. He began to see things differently when Jesus spoke to him that morning. That morning before he met the Lord Jesus Christ on that road, when he heard from him verbally and visibly, he saw him and personally Jesus was there before the Apostle Paul. Paul would have told you, beloved, that his standing with God was secure. And one of the things that will happen to a person when they are converted, when they come to know Jesus as a Savior and Lord, is their views about their standing or their views about the standard of God will change. It will change. For Paul, it changed on that road. Because what he's been telling you back in verse 3, 4, and 5, and 6, and even what he says to you the very first part of verse 7, but whatever things, that is, whatever things he just mentioned there in the previous verses, he saw those things as a gain. That's because he had a different standard than God. So he thought his standing with God was secure, it was right, it was pleasing with God. If you would have asked Paul that morning when he got up and you would have been sitting at the breakfast table with him and you would have said, Paul, are you ready to die? And he would have said, absolutely, I'm ready to die. Do you know you have standing with God that's acceptable? He would have said, absolutely, I have standing with God that is acceptable. How is that, Paul? I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was born of the nation of Israel. I was born of the tribe of Benjamin. I was, I'm a zealous for the law. I'm a Pharisee. I'm, I'm seeking out all of what God says. I'm persecuting the church. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul thought his standing with God was secure and right because his standard was different than what it should have been. And that had to change. That had to change. And it did. When Jesus spoke to him that midday, and he comes to him, and there's a bright light, and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And you notice the conversation and how it goes. The first response that Paul has there, well, who are you, Lord? 
And he says, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you are persecuting. And Paul knew immediately right then and there who it was that was speaking to him. And he knew right then and there that what he had heard about the standard of God, what he had heard about salvation, what he had heard about Jesus, and that he was refusing to believe, he realized it was all wrong. His views about his standing and the standard of God was wrong. His views about the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, it was wrong. His views about salvation were wrong. That's what he's telling you here in verse 7 that before that day and that moment he thought those things were a gain to him. Now understand as you follow along the flow of verse 7 those things I have now counted as loss for the sake of Christ. He now counts them as loss Beloved, when Paul met the Lord Jesus Christ on that road to Damascus, he was stripped naked spiritually before the Lord. He was standing there with nothing to offer him. He knew he was a spiritual beggar. He was poor in spirit. He had nothing. Why? Because now he realized, as he's saying here in verse 7, for the sake of Christ, that the standard by which he was going to be judged was Jesus. It was God. It was perfection. And Paul knew he could not, would not, and never would measure up. He knew he was in a hopeless, helpless situation. Notice the terminology again that Paul uses here. Again, it is accounting terminology. The word for gain there speaks about profit. Having an advantage. The word there for law speaks about a liability. You see, Paul had looked at his ledger. He had been auditing his ledger before God. And he thought that everything was okay because he thought over here in the asset column, he had all those things that he listed there in verses 5 and 6. And he thought all those things were a profit and a gain to him. But when he met Jesus on that road, what he realized was all those things, they weren't a profit to him, they were actually a liability. I mean, he, didn't, he wasn't just on neutral ground. He went from understanding I'm in the black to I'm in the red. I'm in debt with God. And I've got nothing to offer him. I've got nothing to pay for. I have nothing I can do that can make me right with God. There's nothing I can do about it. But that's what God did for us. That's what God did for Paul through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, beloved, people tend to have a, a wrong view of the standard of God and their standing with God because, one, they will tend to redefine sin as though sin is not sin. Or, two, they want to redefine the standard of God that God's standard is not perfection. God's standard is not the Lord Jesus Christ. And we tend to want to compare ourselves to others or just compare ourselves to a certain standard that we think a person ought to live by. And if we're living by that standard, then we think God somehow will accept us. But that's not the way God will judge us. 
He will judge us according to His righteousness. He will judge us according to His perfection, His standard, His holiness. He will judge us according to His Son. So for one to be converted, one must come to a right conclusion about their standing with God, about the standard that God requires. Because to miss that is not to be accepted by God. And this is what Paul is telling us here in verse 7. Those things that were a gain to me. He saw them as a gain. They were gains. It's in the plural. But then he says they became a loss in the singular. They became one big liability to me. And I realized the only thing I needed, the only hope I have, the only thing God was going to accept was Jesus Christ. I had to somehow get Jesus credited to me. Here I am with my ledger, the ledger of God, and he's looking at my life, and he's looking at my account, and I have nothing to offer him. I have to somehow, Jesus has to be credited to me. And that tells you a second thing that changed about Paul and his views, and that is his views about the Savior. His views about Jesus. Before salvation, Paul thought Jesus was a blasphemer. He thought he was a fraud. He most likely saw Jesus as more like a cult leader, leading people away from the, from the truth. That's why he says, I thought it was necessary for me to be doing the things I was doing. But God thought this man was dangerous for people. And when he met Jesus on that road and Jesus spoke to him, beloved, he came to a different conclusion. A different conclusion about Christ. He immediately recognized Jesus was the Messiah. He was the promised Christ. He was the promised one from the Old Testament. Go through and read through the book of Acts and over and over again when Paul is preaching and he goes into the synagogues of the Jews, he's trying to show them how it is that Jesus was the Christ and how the Christ had to suffer and had to die and how he had to be raised again. He was trying to show them Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. But he's not just the, the, the Messiah, not just the Christ. Paul then finally recognized that Jesus was the Savior, that there was no other salvation in any other name. The only way a person was going to be saved was through Jesus Christ because as he said, he understood that as the Messiah, he had to come and suffer and die for our sins and that God raised him from the dead. He knew now. He understood all these things. Again, remember what we talked about last week together. Paul knew the gospel. He wasn't ignorant to the facts of the gospel. He knew what was being taught about Jesus, about his life, about his death, about his resurrection. He knew all those things. He just didn't believe it. He just rejected it. But on this road to Damascus, what he's telling you is, is that he changed Notice what he says, more than that, verse 8, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of just knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Having a relationship with Christ Jesus my Lord. This became the driving force of his life. He believed that Jesus was the Savior, the Messiah. He believed, notice what he says there in verse 8, he was Lord. This is the only time you're going to see where Paul says, my Lord. 
He's my Lord. Paul understood that Jesus was God. He was the Son of God. In fact, if you were to go back again and look back in Acts chapter 9 and verses 19 to 21, when he gets there to Damascus, remember, he, he has the encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he, gets, he finally makes his way there to Damascus and he's waiting for the man by the name of Ananias that comes there on the scene. And Ananias lays hands on the man, on Paul, and, and, and Paul stands up and he's baptized and he eats and he gets his strength back. And then what does he immediately do? He immediately goes to the synagogues and begins to say, Jesus is the Son of God. And he's not just saying that, but his own experience. He's saying it based on the authority of Scripture. He's showing them from the Word of God. Jesus is your Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is your Lord. You need to surrender to Him. You need to trust in Him. Paul recognized that Jesus is Lord. And he began to demonstrate that Jesus was His Lord immediately. Why? Because he immediately began to obey Him. He went from asking to, who are you, Lord, to the next question. You know what he asked Jesus on the road there? What do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? And Jesus told him, get up, go to the city of Damascus, and when you're there, I want you to wait. And he told him some other things about that, what he was going to do, but he says, I'm going to send a man to you. When that man comes to you, he's going to explain to you more thoroughly what it is that I have called you to do. And Paul did exactly what Jesus said. He got up and he went to the city of Damascus. And you know what it tells us he was doing there? You want to see a man whose life has been changed? It says while he was there, he was praying. He's praying. He's obeying. He's praying. Then he begins to fellowship with the people of God, with the disciples, the very people. Think about that. The very people he was going there to arrest and to have bound and brought to prison in Jerusalem, those very people in Damascus, he's now going and gathering around and having a meal with them and enjoying fellowship with them. His life has been changed. And then he goes into the synagogues and begins to preach Jesus as the Son of God. This is a man, as Paul says about himself in Acts 26 and verse 19, that he did not prove disobedient to this heavenly vision, but that he kept declaring both to those of Damascus first, that's where he went first, then to Jerusalem, then to all Judea, and to all the areas. He, began, he, he remained obedient to the vision, to the command, to the words that Jesus gave him directly and that he gave him through Ananias. He knew who Jesus was and he believed it. His views about Jesus changed. He understood Him to be the Messiah. He understood Him to be the Son of God. He understood Him to be the Lord. And He began to demonstrate that with His life. This is the Apostle Paul. That he just wanted to know, as he says there, Christ Jesus, my Lord. He wanted to gain Christ. He wanted to be found in Christ. He wanted Christ more than he wanted anything else in this world. 
But notice also when you read through this passage, when he came to know Jesus as his Savior and Lord, beloved, his views about salvation obviously changed. They changed in these two regards. One, by understanding now differently the payment for salvation. And two, by understanding differently now the path for salvation. The payment, obviously, notice, he now understands that nothing he does or nothing that was done for him has any contribution to his salvation. It has no contribution to his being accepted by God. That's why it says those things that were a gain to me now are a loss. And not only that, I count all things to be a loss. Everything. Anything you want to put up, Paul says, I recognize those things are a loss. Because I want to gain Christ. I want to win Christ. And I know now the only thing that God's going to accept is if I have Christ. He understood that the payment for salvation was through Jesus Christ. And through Christ alone, God wasn't going to accept anything else. If you try to write down, if a person tries to write down anything else on the asset column of their spiritual ledger with God, anything besides Jesus Christ, he says, rejected. I will not take anything else. There's no other payment that's pleasing to me. There's no other payment that's acceptable to me. It's only through Jesus Christ. But notice also, his view of salvation changed in regards to that path to salvation. I mean, clearly when you read verse, verses 4 and 5, and then you read down and look there even down into verse 9. I mean, up, remember back up in verse 6, he says, As to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. He was depending on his own self-righteousness that he was trying to establish before God for God to accept him. He thought that was the path to redemption. And when he met Jesus on that road, what he realized was is that the only path to redemption, the only path to being accepted by God was if the righteousness of God was credited to him and the only way that was going to happen is if he came to God by faith alone. That is, he's repenting of his sin, he's repenting of his life, he's repenting of his, of his thinking and all those things, and he's now saying, I'm putting my faith fully in Jesus Christ. That's the only way I'm going to ever receive and have the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God credited to me. Well, he says there in verse 9, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law. That's just the opposite of what he's saying back in verse 6. As to the righteousness which is in the law. And now he says, I wanted to be found in him, thus not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. He gave up all efforts he gave up everything. And beloved, you and I, we must do the same. 
We must abandon anything else that we would be relying on that will somehow allow what Jesus did for us to be given to us, credited to us, applied to us. That's why I keep coming back to this to help you understand this. If someone says, I have to be baptized or I have to be something else in order to be saved, that is in order to be justified in the sight of God, have what Jesus did given to me, credited to me, they're going against what Paul is saying here in verse 9. Not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. This righteousness, he says, which comes from God on the basis of faith. Faith alone. That is, Paul put his trust, he put his confidence, his surrender to Jesus Christ alone. Why would Paul do all this? Why would he abandon all of what he had done all of his life? Why would he abandon his upbringing? Why would he abandon his ancestral traditions that he had been pursuing after all of his life? Why would he turn and change his views about Jesus so dramatically? Why? Why would he change in his views about salvation? Because as he says there in verse 7, it's for the sake of Christ. As he says there in verse 8, it's so that I may gain Christ. As he says there in verse 9, it's so that I may be found in him that is found in Christ. Or in verse 10, that I may know him that I may know Christ. Paul knew it was all about Christ. He wanted Christ. This is the change that happened to him. Now, obviously, beloved, for many, most likely, of us here today, there didn't have to be such a drastic change. I'm sure for most of you, or quite a few of you here today, you, you probably grew up in church, and, and so you grew up hearing about Jesus and hearing the right things about Jesus. You, you grew up hearing about that Jesus was the Son of God, and Jesus was the Son of Man, and Jesus was fully God and fully man, and the second person of the Trinity, and you heard about His death on the cross. And that's why we have to explore it even more together. To see that for Paul, for Paul, remember, this is a man that grew up just the opposite. And really what we're looking at here is how is it that a person can escape from counterfeit Christianity? How is it somebody can be delivered out of a false Christianity into true Christianity? And that's what's happening here for Paul. He's being delivered and he was delivered. And I want you to understand this was a lasting effect on the life of Paul. Because on one hand, he says there in verse 7, whatever things that were gained to me, those things I have counted, that is in the past, sometime in the past, I made a calculation, I made a decision here and a consideration and came to a different conviction that all those things that were gained were now a loss. But now notice what he says on into verse 8. More than that, I count. That is presently, I'm still counting. It wasn't some temporary emotional decision or emotional event in the life of Paul. 
Yes, it was an emotional event. It was a dramatic event. Probably more so than anyone else here can testify to in their own life. But beloved, that's not why Paul knew he was a truly born again person. It's because of that change that happened in his life was still there. And this is some 30 years after Acts chapter 9 when he got converted. He's saying, I still count all things as a loss. Because it doesn't even compare to knowing, having an intimate, personal relationship with Christ Jesus my Lord. Let me just wrap it up this morning in this way. How do you see yourself before God? What standard do you use? If it's anything else besides God's standard, besides Jesus Christ, please understand you have missed the mark, you have miscalculated. You have counted wrong. You're counting wrong. You're looking at the wrong thing. How do you see Jesus? Do you see Him as the Savior? Do you see Him as the only hope? As the only thing that God will accept for your acceptance with Him? Do you see Jesus as your Lord, as your Master? Does your life reflect to others that it does and that it did for the Apostle Paul? Can you honestly say, as Paul says there, as a truly born again believer, that the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord is incomparable to anything else in this world and that Jesus is my Lord. He's my Lord. He directs my life. He instructs my life. He guides my life. How do you see salvation? How does what Jesus did become yours? That's a key question. How does what Jesus did become yours? That is, how does his work on the cross become yours? How does his sinless life become yours? It's by faith in Christ. It's by putting your confidence, your trust in Christ. It must be by that genuine faith alone. Oh, beloved, I pray that each of you has come or is coming or will come to the same conclusions that Paul did. Because it is those conclusions that one must have in order to be saved, in order to be justified in the sight of God. Eternity is at stake. You can miscalculate on a lot of things, but eternity is at stake. And how one concludes about God's standard, how one concludes about Jesus Christ, how one concludes about salvation and the provision and the payment for our salvation and the path to salvation, to miscalculate on any of those things, beloved, is to miss the mark and is to miss heaven. The good news is this. 
that if you will calculate right and understand rightly what God's Word is saying and truly put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You will be forgiven. That righteousness that Paul's talking about there, which comes from God, it comes on the basis of faith and it will be given to you. That is, it will be credited to your account. You see, Jesus, when somebody genuinely repents of their sins and puts their faith in Christ, their ledger that has all those that sin debt, all that liability, it's wiped completely off. Every single part. He cancels out your certificate of debt. And not only that, He then stamps on your asset side, Jesus Christ. You're credited with Christ. So now when God looks at you, He looks at you through that. And that is settled and secure in Christ. You must be found in Christ. If Jesus was to come today, would you be found in Him or outside of Him? If you were to die today, would you be found in Christ or outside of of Christ? Paul says, I wanted to be found in Christ. I didn't want to have any righteousness of my own. I didn't want anything else. I just wanted Christ and His righteousness given to me. This is the true believer. This is their heart. This is how they view things. So I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer for a moment.